Hello, you've tuned in to the Death Dialogues Project podcast. My name is Becky Odd Jennison, and I'm your host. Why death? Death is the part of our lives we are so very certain about, yet we fear the most. Hiding deep within anxiety, which is a current epidemic, lies the fear of death, ours or a loved one's. But what if I told you that people who embrace death and talk about it openly have a more full-spectrum life experience? We know it isn't your fault. We've been programmed to stuff our conversations and feelings surrounding end of life. By listening to other stories, you get invaluable practice. Our listeners feel more informed about what to do when they find themselves negotiating that inevitable terrain. Most of all, our listeners feel a personal expansion after sitting with someone's tender and fascinating story. That's why we say listening will make you a better human. Promise. Thanks for being here. We're almost there. The book, Death and Its Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Beautiful Lessons is almost out. If you're listening to this on the release day, it's 19 days. If you're listening to this later, it may already be out. You'll be able to find it online and hopefully wherever you buy your books. And this is where I need your help. This podcast, this project is run off the fumes of an oily rag. There has never been a budget. It's grassroots. And hopefully, the sell of these two books can be put back into this project and keep it rolling. So purchasing the books is wonderful, but also sharing about the books and asking your local booksellers to stock the books would be a wonderful help. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for supporting the writing of the book. Those of you who have contributed, thank you so much. You're all a part of this project. The listeners, the people that share their tiny stories, and anybody who's contributed. This is all of our project this grassroots organic movement that allows us to flow in the way that it's meant to flow, just like a river, branching off at times, following our hearts, is made possible because we don't have any funders that we're answering to, and there's not extra time being spent into running a Patreon, but the sell of these books will help tremendously. And if you know people that do training with hospices or counselors or human service workers at all, this would be very good training ground for those people because looking at death and dying and looking at the aftermath is not something we really do well in society. So being able to have these stories and have um, these common situations that occur could be very helpful training ground. Thank you all for your ongoing support. Appreciate it. On this episode, you will hear from Claudia Chappelle. 
A successful professional artist, Claudia, a single mom, supported her children by painting tiles for people's houses. It allowed her to be at home with her children. At the age of 53, Claudia experienced the unimaginable. She answered a knock at the door, and a policeman was standing there. He told her every parent's worst nightmare. Her son, Ben, the first love of her life, was gone. After Ben's death, she fell into a dark and lonely place. She gave up painting. And over the next 13 years, Claudia slowly learned to live with her pain and grief. She began to paint again. Her work had no special meaning to her at the time. Parents who experienced the death of their children began to seek her out for advice, comfort, and hope. Over time, she realized she was saying the same words repeatedly. She decided to write them down. It wasn't until she began writing this book that the art she thought had no meaning served to be a perfect illustration. The book was initially written as a gift for a mother whose son had recently died. Others wanted copies to send to friends who were suffering the same losses. She started making copies. She discovered that helping other grieving parents gave both her grief and her art a purpose. Claudia lives in Baltimore, Maryland with her loving husband and is close to her daughter, Jessica, son-in-law, Michael, and two grandchildren, Olive and Gus. Oh, we're so thrilled to have this conversation here for you today. It doesn't matter what grief you're walking with. There are so many beautiful articulations within this and hearing Claudia's story. I know for myself, um, it was something that became a very enriching addition to my toolbox and my library and that space inside me that makes me realize I'm not alone. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for being here. Hello, Claudia. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I'm wondering if you might just do what we usually do here, which is have you tell us where you're at in the world and then just start sharing your story with us. And you and I can just have a chat from there if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Okay. So you want me to just begin my, my, uh, my story? Yes, please. Thank you. All right. Um, I was a single mom and I raised two kids by myself and it was nothing but fun. I mean, I was poor. We had somehow I managed to like, I, you know, we did great. Was, I never had, never was unhappy. I was happy to have them and get rid of the father. And, and we were kind of alone to the world, just the three of us. And it was a wonderful life for me and them. And, and then my son, um, you know, they grew up, my son went to college and he ended up living in New York and, he, he got, he was working for some internet company and he didn't like it. He ended up getting a job with the United Nations and I get a knock at my door and I am told that my son is gone. <laughs> Just like that. I had no expectation that he was, he wasn't sick. Um, 
and then it starts a new chapter. I have to figure out how to live with just the one child and, and um, not him. And it's been a nightmare for her and me. But I realized early on that I had to figure out how to live life vibrantly and have my daughter do that with this loss that we, you know, it's it's been 15 years now. Mm, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. Um, so, just, I mean, that's like, I mean, before him, everything is like based on, you know, people say that, you know, they're not going to let the grief change them. Mm. And I say, you know, there's no way that the grief doesn't change you. But I didn't want my daughter to not live and I didn't want myself to not live. And so we began the journey of figuring out how to live with our grief. If I'm talking about it, I'm crying. If mm-hmm. I'm not talking about it, I'm painting or I'm playing with the dogs or I'm with my friends or my husband or planting flowers or um it's it's something that does not ever the pain of losing your child never goes away but you you could learn to live with it and you learn to you make a choice if you want to live misery or if you want to live a, a full life then you you it's your choice and so i've you know it's a daily choice Mm, I'm so sorry. I can can hear the emotion, and I can understand. Um, um I've tried to. I, I found over time. I found that helping other grieving, mostly parents. I try to when people reach out to me. So, oh my God, I lost my mother. Blah blah. You know, I I I think to myself. We expect to lose our mothers, but some people really struggle. I mean, I write back to people. I, I, I have a um, Instagram and a Facebook page, and I go and I read through other people's um, stories. And if I'm, I have to, if I'm, if I feel like it, which is pretty often, because I feel like it's something I, I should do to, if I, because I've learned how to, believe it or not, with the sound of my voice, I live, I live a very full and happy life with, with my pain. Yes. Um, so I found that helping other, other grieving parents gives my pain and my grief a purpose other than just being a pain. It's, it's, it, if I can help someone else, it makes me feel stronger because I can help someone else. So I've made a kind of a, um, I don't like go out looking for people, but when people reach out to me, I'm, I, I try to help them. You know, I try to help them figure out how to how to live with it. I've talked to therapists, not for myself. I talked to a group of therapists to tell them how to deal with their their um, clients that have lost children. They don't know what to say, and um, uh, can you take us back to those early days and how what that felt and looked like for you? Because I do think. Just like you're saying, talking to the therapist to help them help other people. I, mm-hmm. I, I love to, to think that people that are sitting with people in deep grief have experienced it themselves. Because as you know, and I know, going through, and I've not um, had a, a child die, but I know that you know that, that that's something indescribable. And 
um, until you've been touched by very, very deep loss. It's very difficult to totally, well, you never totally understand another's experience because they're all definitely different. You know, the person who died is different. The person who's grieving is different, but it helps us, I believe. And that's why we're here to share the depths of our story so we can better understand when people, we meet people in the world that are experiencing um, deep losses. So if you wouldn't mind, if it's not too painful and too um, hard, I don't want to, to take you somewhere that you don't want to go on a, on a podcast um, episode, but if you wouldn't mind taking us back to those earlier days after Ben's death and how are you walking in the world? How did you, how did you do day to day? Well, initially I didn't do anything. I sat with my dogs on my couch and didn't get up except to go to the bathroom Mm. and eat. So for the first, I would say, month, I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I, um, I realized early on, I mean, my daughter was not, my daughter was living in an apartment at the time and she was with me a lot. And I realized early on that if I didn't get myself somehow managing better and maybe it wasn't even a month maybe it was three weeks i don't know it would it would destroy her because she lost her brother mm-hmm. and her brother was like everything to her other than me mm-hmm. and um so i and i i wrote about this it's actually written in my book but i wrote i i, I remember taking a nap and getting up and walking into the living room and my daughter and my husband it, it wasn't his son it was his second marriage and my daughter and my husband were just, he didn't know what to do for us. And we were just, she was just sitting on the couch, just staring off into the distance. And I thought to myself, I can't live like this. I can't function if the people around me aren't functioning. It just brings me, I was in a hole. I was just in such a dark hole. So I remember saying to them, okay, listen, we are going to adjust our voices. Even though we feel like we want to die, we're going to talk with enthusiasm in our voices and we're going to just try to raise them louder so that, you know, we sound like we're alive and we're going to live. We have no choice. Mm. And um, I said, because I can't live listening to the two of you talk like mumble. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. It was so, it was painful enough and to see my daughter. So I said, we are going to live a vibrant life because we have no choice and that's what we're going to do. And little by little, that's what we did. But I didn't. I didn't seek any help um, for myself because I. I knew that nobody who had. I. I felt that anyone that hadn't lost a child is not going to know how I feel. I did find two women in the in the area I lived in who had lost their children, and I and I reached out to them, and I think I had a little sit down with each of them once, and it was it was comforting. But after that, I just took one day at a time and I had some pretty amazing things happen. Um, Again, it's all (laughs) wrote about it, but um, I started realizing pretty early on that if I kept myself down, down and deep and dark and miserable, I would never feel his presence because there's one particular morning early on. 
I remember walking down the hall of my house and it was really sunny. And I said to myself, oh God, what a beautiful day. And then I thought, oh, how could I think it's a beautiful day without Ben? Mm. It was like, and then it hit me that he's in the sunshine. He's not in the darkness. He's not, he's, you know, he's in the light. And mm -hmm. if I'm going to feel his presence, I have to keep myself in the light. Mm. When I talk about it, I tell people, don't worry if I'm crying. As soon as we talk about something else, I'll be laughing. It's just there, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so I started again, uh, just, just started living little by little. Um, I got signs from him that were, that were incredible, like obvious. Um, Please share. We love those stories. We love to hear that. It's, right. a, it's a bit of hope, that connection that continues and an example of how we can keep that connection with our loved one. Please one. tell us. I it was, it was early on. I'm kidding. I, I can only remember early on. I don't remember how many days or weeks, or, but it was early on. And my husband said, come on, let's get you out of the house. He said, let's go to Sam's Club. Um, you know, a box store, you know, grocery store. Yeah. So we went to um, Sam's Club and I felt like I was walking through a tunnel. I remember feeling like I had dark glasses on with tiny little pinholes to see out of. It was so, I was so withdrawn. And I had to go to the bathroom. I went to the ladies' room and I walk in and there's a tremendous pile of pennies, a pile of pennies sitting next to the, one of the sinks. And I was like, oh, that's for me. My son, <laughs> when I, I had to go to his apartment in New York within the first week after this happened, I had to go clean his stuff out because his roommate needed another roommate. So we went to New York and there was loose change all over the coffee table, just all over. And I said to his roommate, what is this? He goes, you know, Ben, he just takes all the change out of his pocket and throws it on the coffee table. Well, no, I didn't know that part of Ben. And I scooped it all up. I stuck it in a little pouch and I brought it home. I, I now put the coins I find in the same, it's a big, heavy pouch of coins. Sometimes I leave them in my pocket, but I don't spend them. <laughs> anyway, so I, I know where that comes from. Because when he was a little boy, we had very little money. And he was very impressed by this um, friend's, uh, my friend's, some guy that my girlfriend was friends with. And when he and her son would go to this guy's apartment, he'd say, you can pick up whatever you want. And he'd throw his loose change all over the place. And my son would scoop up the coins and put them in his pocket. And so I think having enough money to throw it on the coffee table meant he'd made it. He wasn't mm. poor. So... But a pile of pennies. I waited for the lady to leave the bathroom because I didn't want to be seen like this like bag lady scooping up the pennies. I waited to, of course, she wouldn't scoop them up either. So when she left the bathroom, I scooped them up and stuck them in my in my pouch. And so my daughter says to me, I told her, she goes, Mom, why don't I ever get signs? And I said, open your eyes and keep an eye out. You will. Mm -hmm. And then she goes, well, I did get a, I, there was a penny in my, in my pajama pants my underpants this morning i'm like really what what do you call that what do you call that jessica you know i mean where do you think a penny landed in your underpants oh my gosh so yeah and then at my daughter's at my daughter's wedding their father their, you know their their father came down for the wedding and i'm always cordial to him when i see him and and 
I was telling him about the pennies and, and, and then I, of course, I always have to pee. Excuse me. I got to go to the bathroom. I run to the bathroom and there's a penny on the floor next to the toilet where I had gone to the, I mean, so I find them at the one time I, I answered the door for someone and it was raining and I can't remember what it was about. I think somebody came to get a book. So I used to print them for people and she left and I looked down and there's a penny on my front doormat. So it's, too coincidental that I find these pennies, you know, like I'll be walking along a street and for no reason I'll look down and there's a penny. So that seems to be for sure his signs to me. But a couple weeks ago, I really wanted to see him and I was uh, downstairs and I was painting and I'm attempting abstract painting, which is very hard for me because I'm much more of, I paint animals, I paint uh, scenery, I paint things I love. Um, I've never tried painting abstract. So I, so I wanted to try. And, um, I said, Benjamin, I, and I said, nobody was in the house. And I was like talking out loud. I really need you. I need to feel you. I want you to come be with me. And I swear to God, I felt like this tiny jolt. Like I felt something and I started painting with my fingers instead of a paintbrush so fast. And, um, I can send you a picture of that painting. Um, and when we, when we're off, I can send you a picture of that painting, but I, I posted it on a, on a website that is, I think it's called art to life. I post occasionally and people all over the world post paintings and talk. Well, I posted it and I described how it came about. I had 1200 responses because the, the website's international and I had 1200 responses from people sharing their stories about the loss of their child. And I wrote, if you live in the U S I didn't, I didn't want to use the, I don't ever want people to think I'm trying to sell my book or promote my book for money because I, I hardly marked it up anything. I, I don't make anything on the book. I make $2 a book. So I didn't, but I don't want people to think that. So I didn't want to say, uh, give me your address. I'll send you a book. So I private messaged a few people and said, so that wouldn't be on for everyone to see. If you, if you, um, if you would like a copy, I'd love to send you one. And so a lot of people sent me there. Then this one woman sent it to me from Canada and I'm like, Oh God, it costs like twice the cost of the book. And so now I say, if you live in the U S yes. <laughs> send me your address and I'll send you a copy of my book. Cause I, I, I bought a lot of copies to be just to hand out to people who want or need them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Trying to losing track, but anyway, that that it was amazing to me. Twelve, I never get twelve hundred responses. Mm, of that is, you know, amazing how many people were in the same boat as me, and hungry um, for that sense of connection. I think. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. do think so. Have you read the book um, "Hello from Heaven"? I'm not sure. I haven't read. A, I didn't. You know, it's funny when people gave me books. <laughs> After my son passed away, um, I just stuck them in a bookshelf. Yeah. And um, I had no, that's why my book, with my book, I know people can't read, but they can read a small paragraph and look at a picture. So my book, when if you ever do get a copy, my book is just very, it's it's very user-friendly. It's not, a, it's not just black and white. It doesn't tell you, it basically tells you what I'm saying now. Each page is another little story of, yes, this is going to happen to you. You're going to get people asking you in the grocery store, how are your kids? And you're going to say, my son died. 
and then you ruin everybody's day. So I wrote in my book, for example, you can lie if you want, because your your whole your your goal here is is to get strong and survive this. <laughs> so if you feel like saying, "Oh, they're great," say it. Say whatever you need to say. Just get through get through that experience. And so I give people that kind of advice. Um, I didn't put this in the book because I didn't want people to think I'm out of my mind. But the truth is, is that this the morning I tell you that I walked down the hall and I said how beautiful the day is. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I had a dream that night of um, running, running through a field and running towards, and I'm a color person. I'm an artist. So everything is about color for me. And I'm running through the field and I'm running because I'm, I'm like euphoric running towards these blues and purples and greens. I'm running. And in the background, my husband's yelling, come back, come back. It's not your time. Come back. I turn around and I run towards him. And in that direction, there's like pinks and purples and oranges and reds and these vibrant colors in the other direction. And then I wake up. And that's when I walked down the hall and it was sunny. Okay, so the part I don't write about is while I'm drinking my coffee and I'm by myself, I hear a thump. I hear a noise. And, I, and I'm just because of the way I think, it's like, okay, something fell by itself. I'll, I'll find out eventually. I'll crutch, you know, I'll tumble over it eventually. And so, of course, I'm heading down the hall to the bathroom again. And, and there's a book on the floor. It, and the books are in a bookshelf. They're not like seeing half on half. There's a book on the floor. I, I sit down and I say, okay, I guess you want me to look at this book. And I pick it up. And it's opened up to a page. And the page it's opened up to is the left side of the page is vibrant blues and greens and purples. And the right side of the page, it was my dream. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And my friend who is a, a uh, my, my one of my closest friends who has edited my book to make sure I didn't have any dangling participles, which I still don't know what those things are. Um, she edited it for me. And... She said, "Ah, maybe you shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> maybe people will think you're like out of your mind." So I didn't. I, I put in the book about how euphoric I felt and the feeling and the colors, but I didn't. But the truth is, is I dreamt it, and then the book fell down. And I do believe my son somehow got that book pushed onto the floor so I would find it. Beautiful. Beautiful. I don't think that that sounds crazy at all. No, I don't think it does either, but. I, you know, she was my editor, so I did what she told me. Claudia, we don't want people to think you're crazy, so let's just not put that part in. Wow. I think that says a lot about our culture. And um, I just want to swing back to that Hello from Heaven book, because what it is, mm-hmm. is case studies. of. of uh-huh. I should it, get it then. Yeah. I, and it's, um, so actually, it was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's idea. And mm-hmm. she asked this um, this researcher couple if they would put out a call to people who felt like they had been contacted by someone after their death. And mm-hmm. they call it after-death communication, initials ADC for short. And mm-hmm. in the foreword, I need to read it all the way through again, but this book has been like 
tucked in my psyche. And it's one that I share frequently with people because of that feeling of, oh, will people believe me or not? Or could this really be happening? So the re- the uh, main researcher or one of the main, the Guggenheims, one of the Guggenheims said in the foreword, you know, we thought nobody would respond and they were inundated with responses, which reminds mm-hmm. me of your 1200 responses to your to your post that yeah so they so what happened is they ended up seeing these common threads between the stories that the energy the person you know the communication was showing up in certain ways and they've broken it up into chapters and um interestingly coins is one of the chapters and Isn't that funny? I've heard that somebody since yeah, I've heard yeah. that the coins is not. I mean, it's. I don't know how that is. I didn't know any of this. I did not know about this when I started finding the pennies. Yeah, I hadn't. It was. It wasn't like I was looking for pennies because of I of reading the book. I I didn't know anything about it. And um, oh, of, of course, yeah. So I, that's, I understand yeah, that. Yeah. But I think that's. I'm hoping that that feels comforting to you that. Wow, that that is, and you know, for instance, my very first intense experience with that was surrounding a music box, and as I recall, there was a chapter on music boxes as well. So there's certain ways, um, apparently, that love energy, the person, however you want to imagine that, comes through um, easier you know, or more effectively or that they choose. So it's a fascinating book and you might find it comforting with your experiences. And the, and exactly what you told your daughter was kind of what the, um, the research's takeaway was, is we've got to start looking at these things and stop saying, Oh, that's a coincidence. Oh yeah. Because it may be happening much more than we ever realize. Yeah. Well, she's amazing. Things happen to her. Yeah. Um, and somehow both my daughter and myself are doing, we live very comfortably now, not like we used to. And we're, it, it's like, I say, you know, it's gotta be Ben. It's gotta be Ben. I mean, things, things are coming to her and helping her in her life and me also. And I say, it's, well, it's gotta be him. It's, you know, I, I don't have any doubt in my mind that I'm going to be with him again. And I'm not in a hurry. Because I know time is fleeting. Time is so, time goes so fast that I'm not in a hurry. I just, when I talk to him every day, I think, I mean, a day doesn't go by that I don't think about him. Yes. What would you say to a parent who's in the early days after that somebody showing up at their door or that phone call or that experience I just I just sent the book to someone all I know to I I write you know that's I get in touch with these people nobody nobody around me has it you know has it happened well actually that's not true my friend's um son did die a couple months ago she's doing well I mean I don't know but why how but she's she went back to work in a week she's like I've seen her. I mean, she hugs me when I see her because she knows I know how she feels, but everyone handles differently and she's just on with it, you know, and good. I'm good for her. But of course we gave her a copy of the book. It, what I say to them is, 
when they tell me, I say, how long has it been? They say, oh, it's been like a year and a half. I'm like, you know what? Second year is harder than the first. I said, you just got to be patient. And believe it or not, you're going to get stronger. And know this pain is never going to go away. It's your child. You're never going to stop hurting for your child. Mm -hmm. But you are going to get stronger. And you're going to be able to just carry it with you. And and don't worry that you're making me cry because as soon as we're done talking about it, I'll be off to another subject and I'll be totally fine. It's just that, you know, that deep. But that's what I tell people. I have just, and that's what I write is have, just just do things that make you feel good. Yeah. Get rid of people that bring you down. I got rid of a lot of people. It might not a lot, but a good handful of superficial friends I got rid of. I had no no time for that. I can't stand any kind of chaos. I can't deal with crowds. This one woman wrote she couldn't even watch television, and I wrote her back and said, "I I get it. I know. You see, you see a song. Everything reminds you of your kid, and so you just you just don't want constant reminders. So just you know, be gentle with yourself. Only surround yourself with good things as much as possible." And let yourself get stronger because mm. only your own only your own strength is gonna get you through this. And you got your whole life, you got your whole life. So I told my daughter, we have our entire life to grieve this loss. We don't have to do it all today or tomorrow. Yeah. A little bit each day. You know, you going back to your um your first month where you said you didn't do anything and you know, I'm sure that'll yeah. ring true with many people. Um, and, and I think what I'm hearing you say now, just to reiterate it to our listeners, I, mm-hmm. it's so important, I think, f- personally for people as a griever and as a uh, previous or therapist gone rogue, as I call myself, but, but it's so important and we don't talk about it enough to let yourself um, rest and yeah. stay hydrated and yeah, take t- just, care of yourself. Yeah, and cocoon if you can, yeah. and if you need to. There's there's almost like a dismantling of your entire system, especially with with um, the death of a child. That it, you almost need stillness. I think it's that shock. Well, I, to- I went. My sister's an acupuncturist, mm. and we're not particularly close, but I did, we, but we're okay. You know, I, I, I still, she called and she visited and, and my husband, I think with the, within seven days or so, she says, please let me do acupuncture on you. So I'm like, fine. So my husband brought me over. I could barely walk. I could barely see. And she felt my pulse and she couldn't feel my pulse. And she started working on me. And I, I could, I mean, I felt like I was dead, but I wasn't. And she started working on me. And all of a sudden I felt like this, like, <gasps> like this jolt. And I didn't say anything to her. And she kept touching my pulse. And she said, you're feeling better, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, I feel like I came alive, like I was dying. Mm. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't let myself die. I wouldn't do that to my daughter. <laughs> I mean, everything became about my daughter. Beautiful. I think that's a, yeah, that must be so very difficult um, during those times for parents with multiple children then to, to hold their grief and hold your own grief 
Yeah, you don't want to, you can't put it on them. My daughter and I rarely talk about it, if, if ever. But we'll say, she's, I'm a grandmother now. I have two little grandchildren. And and so it, we had a big storm the other night, and my five-year-old grandson is terrified of the thunder and the lightning. And we have a screened-in porch. So we, I said, come on, we're going to sit on the porch, and we're going to, it's fun. It's exciting. We're going to watch it. We're not in the rain. We're not, it's not going to touch us. We're going to sit inside. He is so scared. I'm like, his name is Gus. I'm like, Gus, maybe it's Uncle Ben playing the drums. And then he goes, yeah, and Simon. Simon was his dog that died. And maybe Simon's running around. I said, yes, they're they're up there just playing music. It's not scary. It's just a noise. So uh, he's, he tolerated it much better. But we, we talk about Uncle Ben like he's here. Mm. Beautiful. So I have a, um, I came up with an analogy that I shared. I want to share it with you because you're, you're a therapist, whatever you called yourself. Well, and retired. I, is, I don't. Retired. But, but, but I feel but like this is a, therapy in some degrees. Yes, of course <laughs> it is. Well, let me just share something with you because I, I was doing a, um, an art fair and this, and I had my book out for people to look at. And this one woman comes up to me and she's looking at my book. Loved it. Um, asked me if I would consider coming to her therapy, you know, uh, to her office when they have lunch and um, have lunch with them and then speak to like, I don't know, 12, 15 therapists, men and women who don't know how to deal with, like I told you earlier, don't know what to say because none of them have lost a child. They don't know what to say. And so I did. And I gave them an analogy that they all, can we use it? I'm like, of course, please use it. And because I also, you know, before COVID, I I worked out four days a week in a gym. So I'm like a gym person. And, and I said, do you remember if you work out, do you remember that when you first start working out, you can lift these five pound weights and you do whatever you do with your weights but forget about the 10 pound. You can't even lift a 10 pound weight in each hand. A year later, you're using your 10 pound weights. You're putting them over your head and, and behind you and swinging them around. And I said, the weights didn't get lighter. You got stronger. So that was my analogy of how we deal with this kind of a loss. It's so heavy. Mm. But as you get stronger, you're able to carry it. I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, the the weight doesn't get get less. Mm-hmm. You get stronger. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the main focus of my my message, and I try to say it in every which way. How to deal with? How do you deal with the holidays? Everybody's buying presents, and they're and all the merriment around you when you're like watching it from a distance. And um, I say these holidays are tough. You know, your kid's not coming home for the holidays anymore. And it's really sad. So let yourself cry and let yourself grieve. And then the holiday's over and just go on, pick yourself up and just keep going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain things you just can't, you can't make better. You can't make yourself happy on their birthday, you know, or on their anniversary. You're just going to suffer. Let yourself suffer. It's only 24 hours. You'll get through it. You know, so that's kind of like the kind of the messages I really try to help people with. Mm. people sometimes need 
are, are really benefit from hearing that it's okay to, to fall apart at times. And, and then it's also okay to channel that energy, like on those remembrance days, how so many people, you know, some people can't deal with them at all, you know, want to just get through them. Right. Other people honor they in a way, huge right. way. Yeah. Right. I wrote that. I wrote that. I wrote do something to honor your child on those days and know that the day's over in 24 hours. You know, I write about going on vacation. It's okay to go on vacation. You need a break. You know, you need time to heal your heart and your soul. Yes. Go on vacation. Have a good time. Your grief will be waiting for you when you get home. I mean, you don't have to feel it. You don't have to, it, you don't stop loving your child because you're having, a, you're laughing and having a good time. And you need that to, to survive. Yeah. And there's a huge turning point when a person gets to the point where they can realize, where they can really accept that they can feel okay or feel joy and without, without feeling still guilty. feel grief. Absolutely. That they can coexist. And because, yeah, I, I do think that's um, guilt for one. And who doesn't have that when a piece of your heart is gone, you know, kind of the survivor guilt. Um, yeah. And to on top of, uh, you know, is it right or I shouldn't be happy? It's also, yeah, that I'm here and I'm able to go on this amazing trip and this person isn't it. But then when you get that, that more, um, I was going to say worldview, but it's really a spirit view. When you get that view into the beyond, and they're ongoing, like you had of Ben, that he's in the light. He's in the light. He's, you know, this, these um, emotions, these overpowering emotions I'm having are emotions of having your feet on the planet here and what you're going through. And if we, yeah, if we somehow can, um, I think it's helpful for me to, to remember that. And I have to remind mm -hmm. myself all the time. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that whether it's because I know not everybody, everybody listening, not everybody it's has lost a child. Some people, like I said, are grieving their spouse or grieving their brother or sister yes. or parents or whatever. And they feel, you know, how can I be having a good time when, you know, my, my whoever is dead. Yeah. And so what I tell people, too, is that person that you loved loved you back. And the person who loved you back wouldn't want you to be miserable. They'd want you to be happy. And, and, you know, people would say to me in the early months, Ben would want you to be happy. I said, no, he wouldn't. Benjamin would want me to be grieving and miserable for the first, eventually, yes. But right now, if I was happy two months after he died, he'd go, what's wrong with you? You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so it's like, and so like people would say the dumbest things. Oh, Ben would want you to be happy. He died three weeks ago. You think he'd want me to be happy now? I mean, come on. Right. So, you know, it's like give yourself some time, but eventually you get to the point where you're, you're the person who's gone, who you loved, who loves you back. At this point, they say, come on, get with it. Live until we get to be together again. I want you to live. Yeah. Because they love you also. Yes. You know? So tell us about the transition then into being able to even think about, you know, the book, but also getting back into your artwork and how that transformed and ended up um, being the gifts you've put out in the world. It's gradual. I mean, uh oh, what's that? 
I don't know. Um, it was gradual. It, I don't even remember because it's been so long now, but I know that I never talked about it. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want anybody mentioning his name. I didn't want anybody asking me anything. I was, I just, it was mine. It was, it was like, because I was a single mom, my kids were mine. Um, we had no family involvement, so I didn't have, like, I have to share them with anyone. So to me, it was so private that I, like when my sister would say, you know, Ben, blah, blah, like, don't, don't say his name. Nobody could say his name but me. I was pretty, like, you know, went through my thing, but I still don't like when people who weren't involved with him mention him to me. It's like, don't talk about him. He, you know, you never spent time with him when he was alive. I don't want to hear you talk about him now. So I still, I'm not, I'm not no angel, but um, little by little, uh, you know, I guess the first thing I did was go back to the gym and, and I, I prayed that nobody would come up to me and see how I'm doing. This one woman would always look at me with such pity and it would, I couldn't stand it. So don't look at me, you know, let's let me, let me live today. And then I, I don't know when I started painting again, I would say it's probably been, it was in this house. So it's probably, I've been here six years, probably been like four years that I started painting again. And I just start painting animals because I love animals and I have paintings. I use a lot of my book of like the mother giraffe kissing the head of the baby giraffe and things like that. And I start painting. And so you, I would, excuse so, me, are you saying you went about nine years without painting? Probably, but I wow. made jewelry. I made jewelry. Oh, okay. I, I still worked with my hands and I still created. I just, I didn't go to art school. So I always had an insecurity about painting. So I, I go through phases where I would paint and then I would stop. But for a long time, actually, that's not true. <laughs> In the eighties, I forgot I supported myself and my kids painting tiles for people's kitchens. That was different. That was, that was painting what people tell me to paint. Um, but I supported us doing that. And then when that was done, when there was tiles went out of, out of favor for kitchens, people were doing, you know, more modern things. I started making jewelry as gifts. Um, cause I didn't have the money to buy really nice gifts for people that I wanted to give nice gifts to. So I started making them and they ended up being in a particular store. I don't know if you remember, um, it was called Boogie's Diner. It's around the country here, kind of a high end boutique, hippie ish, I guess. Mm -hmm. I made jewelry. And then I started selling at craft shows and making some pretty nice extra money on the side. And then I just felt I missed, I missed working with, with color. And so I started painting and I started painting animals. And then I, then I started painting landscapes and with pastels. And when I get good at something, I seem to move on to something else. But with the painting, I would paint those animals until they, their eyes came alive to me. And when the eyes they, they, when they came alive on the canvas where, I mean, they don't look like photographs, but they're, they're beautiful paintings of these beautiful wild animals, like animals from Africa, um, birds and things like that. And then when I wrote this book, which was for one particular person that lost her son, and I thought I wanted to write her a book and try to help her. And I use these paintings as perfect illustrations so that you're reading something and my, it's just a paragraph per page. And on the next page would be a painting of an animal um, or other, other things that I painted, but I started painting and I haven't stopped painting since. I mean, I, I now I'm working on some other things, but I, that's pretty much, you know, what I do. Beautiful. I love art. I love art. It's been, um, 
all my life it's been my my saving grace it's you know I was a shy child and art was how I got attention at school I was always the best in the class and so I got me a little attention even though I was so shy so what is the name of that first book the name of the first book is the art of living with grief Mm. and um it's, it's, I, I love the book. I read it. I read it before, you know, I, I read it sometimes just for myself. Um, and I, and I think every time I read it, I think Benjamin must have helped me write this because I, I've never been like, <laughs> I'm not, I've never been an author, but the book is really, it's, it's an amazing, I mean, I, I tell you, I give it, I order them and give them to people occasionally, but, um, it's a help because it's like me telling it's it's like me holding your hand and saying you're going to get through this and this is how you're going to get through this and this is why you're going to get through this and and you believe me I mean it's it really it, it's a wonderful book even though you're not supposed to pat your own self on the back and I'm, it is a really special book beautiful and then you wrote a second book the reason I wrote a second one was because I started a page on on Facebook. And the page is called The Art of Living with Grief, um, so that if people want to write in. So I, so I started um, teaching myself how to paint in, with pastels. Um, chalk, it's, it's chalk, but it's not, really not chalk. It's just pigment in a stick. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very different. I've never done anything like that before. And I started painting landscapes, which is they're perfect for, for pastels. And... I found myself really drawn to painting landscapes of pathways and I realized I'm painting pathways, I'm painting journeys. And this is what, this is what life becomes is a daily choice of what path you're going to take today. You're going to get up today and how are you going to do today? You're going to walk down that path to misery or you're going to walk down this path to the sun or walk down. I do a lot. So I, I realize how much it's about choices of how we're going to choose to live now. Mm-hmm. And so I started posting on Facebook these paintings I would do, and I would write captions for them to try to help people understand how to live with this. And then I thought, you know what, I have a book here, and I decided to go ahead. And my husband was generous enough to, I mean, we we published, we hired somebody to do it. And we, you know, I, I know if I sent my books to publishing houses they get hundreds and hundreds of books and they only publish books that have famous people like you know um it's only famous people that get their name out with their books so i decided not to worry about that and just publish it myself and um so that's what we did so we have another book and i have it on there and they're on amazon so people can get a hardcover i always i wanted them in paperback because i want to keep them as inexpensive as possible so people who who can't afford them can afford them and i wanted them in hardcover for people that wanted to buy them as a special gift for somebody but if they want to buy them so they're on hardcover and paperback and they're both the same the second one is a continuation of the first one but the second one doesn't just speak to you as a parent it says, in my case, my son, you might be struggling with the loss of your mother or your father or your spouse. So it, it kind of doesn't ma- I, I feel like I needed to have the same message go out to people that are that are dealing because, oh, my God, people come up to me like when I was doing this art fair and, and see the book and start to cry that that, you know, her father died and she can't get over it. And 
And I thought, okay, I need a book to help these people since it's the same message. It just isn't specifically to a parent. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like, you know, it, but it seems that it seems that people have, li- I don't know. I wanted to just, I had more to say. I had more to say and yes. more to share. So I made another book. Well, and more, um, pop, you know, more healing to put out there, more understanding, more. Yeah. I mean, it's a gift to the world. This beautiful, beautiful. I, I, I meant it to be. I want it to be. My second one is called The Illustrated Journey Through Grief. Hmm. So it's a little different. But it's um, I've sent that one to people as well. I had somebody write me that I can't remember who who this person had lost. She, oh, this older woman wrote me on this art site. They told this uh, art to life site, and one of the things she wrote is that she has lost everyone in her life. Mm-hmm. She's like probably in her eighties, and she said or ninety, I don't know. And she's basically lost everyone. And so we mailed her the second book because it, it it's she was you know not just. I didn't ask her if she, who she, I don't ask a lot of personal questions to people. I never have. I let them volunteer. And so I sent her that and, you know, I just can't afford to send them to everybody. But, you know, when I, when I get, when I read something and it grabs me and I'm like, if you want a book, please private message me and I'll mail you one. So we just mailed one out Tuesday to somebody. And I don't know, I think Illinois or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I know it'll help her. I know it. I mean, it's not going to bring her child back, but it'll help her know, learn, or understand that she's not alone, and she will live with this because she has no choice. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I talk about gratitude in the book, about how it's not a word that we think of after we've lost a child. Gratitude, but you have to realize what you have not lost. And you have to be grateful for what you have, because if you just sit in deprivation, you're not going to survive. Yeah. So um, I mentioned that in both books. Well, I'm saying, Claudia, thank you. Thank you for what you're putting out into the world and for sharing your heart so deeply with us today. Sorry, I I cry. I probably have many different voices when I cry, but... This is the language we speak here. And I'm I appreciate appreciate you being authentic. So if people will have it. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) We will have in the program notes your links, but right now, if somebody right now wants to go see you your work or learn more, where would you send them to? The easiest thing, this is is why I created this, is my ClaudiaChappelle.com, C-L-A-U-D-I-A-C-H-A-P-P-E-L.com. That will take them directly to the website where they can see what the book looks like, see what it's about, and there's links to Amazon. So if they want to buy the book, I, I don't automatically, when I talk about it, even on Facebook, I don't send the link to buy the book. I want people, I, it's a, I don't want to push. I want yeah. people to know what they're buying because it's such a, oh, it's the worst topic, you know, this way they can read a little, they can say, oh, I don't think that resonates with me. I'm not buying the book or the other, or they say, oh, I love this. And I think this would be helpful. And then there's a link directly to the book. It's the easiest way to get to it. Beautiful. Well, I really, again, just kind of bow in appreciation that you've shared your beautiful Ben and family with us today and um, been able to, to just really open your heart. That means a whole lot. And I know you're helping people by being with us as well as your beautiful books. 
Thank you. If you know, if I can help someone, if I can help anyone, it, all it does is make me feel better. It makes yeah. me feel better. It's one of the things that lifts me up is to know that I'm helping somebody else in pain. Yes. Um, you know, it's like, what else can you do with your pain if you can't use it for something positive? Absolutely. And my art, and my art gives my art a purpose too. Yes, absolutely. A beautiful purpose. Will you take good care? Thank you again, Claudia. Thank you. Thank you. Are you in love with story? I'm imagining you are, and that's why you're here. Have you caught our tiny stories series? tiny death stories. If you go to our Instagram and Facebook pages, you will find a hundred word or less stories that people are sharing. We're almost to 100 stories right now. If you'd like to submit, you simply write a story about your situation and have it be 100 words or less Send a photo, send how you'd like your name to appear. Some people use their Instagram handles and email it to tinydeathstory at gmail.com. This has been a really rewarding experience for the writers. That's what they tell me. And I've written in flash fiction and flash writing myself. And I understand the processing that has to go on to break these stories down. If you look at your life, it's all a series of stories. So this doesn't diminish the story that you're telling. You can just tell part of it as a tiny story. We look forward to hearing from you. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us today. We'd love for you to get further connected with our project. You can find the links in the podcast information. You can also find the Death Dialogues Project on Facebook, on Instagram, and at www.deathdialogues.net. Take good care and see you next time.